Hey, it's Gina Stevens. Welcome to Belois Radio, where we bring you digital marketing tips, expert interviews, and industry news for community media, community radio, and independent media. Visit our website at belwamedia.com. Welcome to Belwar Radio. My name is Gina Stevens, and I'm your host. Joining me is Linda Glash. Executive Director of Brand Rapids Community Media Center. Thank you for joining me, Linda. I appreciate you joining the show. Happy to take part. And did I pronounce your name correctly? I know we talked about it before the show started, so did I do that? Yeah, exactly correct, Galash. <laughs> Thank you. Now, um, let's talk a little bit. We want to start out with talking a little bit about um, public access television, again, um, we talked a little bit before the show started about how there are people who don't know what public access television is and what community media is. So there are a lot of people in my town don't don't even know um, that our community media center exists or what it does. So let's talk a bit about how um, public access has moved from being just TV to community media centers. For sure. So things started in an era when public access was sort of the new media at the time when cable came about, and that's where we began. And then as opportunities came along, we added additional platforms. For us, we added a community radio station when uh, a local education radio station uh, was no longer being supported and was looking for a home. That opportunity came along. And we've kind of just taken advantage of opportunities along the way and have grown to be about a four or five platform organization now. Nothing we necessarily sought out, just seeing needs or opportunities as they've come along. What was the catalyst that made you guys say, hey, you know, this is something that we really need to do. What was it that made that happen for um, Grand Rapids Community Media Center? Well, here in Grand Rapids back in uh, late 70s, early 80s, when public access channels were were coming about, the city of Grand Rapids actually uh, wanted to make this happen. A nonprofit was created for this purpose. We actually started as Grand Rapids Cable Access Center, which simply focused on cable access TV. And after a few years, then that opportunity for a radio station came along. So then we became more than just uh, cable TV, public access TV. We became a radio as well. There was a time when we were an Internet service provider here in this community when that sort of thing was brand new. We also have um, a platform that is a historic venue, a historic theater. So just kind of uh, jumping on those opportunities when they presented themselves. It's nothing that um, particularly we made a decision to uh, seek out and gather more platforms. It's just uh, when a community need came along, we did that. So you did radio as well, and you provided Internet um, access for the community. Are you still doing radio, and are you still providing Internet access? Uh, no longer saw a community need to do Internet um, service provider services, but definitely do radio. It's one of our more vibrant aspects. We're a community radio station, WYCE. It's been a part of this organization for 30 years now, so very close to our beginning, uh, community radio became a part of a community media center. You actually received funding. Um, where Where is this funding coming from? A lot of people probably don't know that um, community media um, actually receives funding, and that's pretty much how you guys 
operate um, from receiving funding, funding and doing fundraising. So can you tell me where this funding comes from? And then you get funding that's meant for certain purposes. Can we talk a little bit about that? Well, we operate the two television channels. The Public Access TV is operated uh, with a contract with the City of Grand Rapids. Um, we contract with the city to operate two of the five channels available here. So that is a contract with the city. We actually fundraise, almost solely fundraising, for the radio station WYCE. That's uh, twice a year on-air fund drives, and pretty much uh, every bit of the funding comes through individuals. They uh, pony up twice a year. We do a little bit of underwriting there. Uh, we try that same model with our citizen journalism uh, community newspaper. That's an online uh, newspaper. That is also through uh, community members supporting us. And then we have a few areas for fees for services. That historic venue I mentioned, that is pretty much a service we provide. We operate it for the community. Somebody that wants to put on an event, um, they rent the space, and we provide the space and the services to operate it. Similar with IT services. No longer are we an Internet service provider, but we do build websites and um, we do web development for nonprofits. You have, I saw on your website, the Rapidian. Is that right, like pronouncing that correctly? Correct, yeah. That is our citizen journalism online newspaper. I was very impressed by that. I don't think I've seen that uh, very often um, done by a community media center. So it looks like what it is, um, it kind of reminds me of the Huffington Post model where you have. Um, contributors who post content, and it, it, it looks like it's from what you said, citizen journalists, and they're the ones who provide user-generated content. It's pretty much what it looks like. So can you explain to everyone who's listening exactly what the Rapidian is? And it looks like you guys provide training to the people who provide the content for the Rapidian. Right. We provide the platform and the training. So we basically see it as just another platform very similar to the, the other tools we have here, whether that be TV, radio, um, of the stage at the theater. So for the Rapidian, um, it's all citizen-generated content. So we will teach the citizen, um, somebody that wants to be a reporter, how to be a reporter. We'll teach journalism ethics, style, methods. We'll teach how to use our platform to upload articles. We'll teach a little bit about editing and uh, through a number of workshop opportunities. So it's very similar to that model throughout where we provide the tools, the training, and the transmission method. So it's just another way of um, supporting the voice of the local citizen. Have you seen any of your um, citizen journalists who you have trained on journalism ethics and things like that, have any of them taken that training and actually turned it into a job, working for maybe a local newspaper or someplace else? Has that happened? Do you know yeah. that happening? I can think of that with our, the first thing that comes to mind is our very first intern. And um, he was not actually in school anymore. He had a, a different uh, career path, but just on his own time wanted to be an intern. He had come to one of our workshops earlier, met another uh, local citizen, and they both kind of partnered up on a series of stories having to do with homelessness here in Grand Rapids. And that um, was sort of, the, that's the bug that bit him about this. So then he wanted to uh, do a more personal internship and now is actually on staff for Michigan uh, Business Journal. He, he at, a, at a 
for paid gig. He is a reporter for a business publication here. Has it happened with any of the people who you've trained as far as your community radio station? Because you also provide the training for, for people who are doing that as well. So have any of the people who have done that ended up getting a job in radio? I'm not aware of anybody that's an on-air personality for radio, but I do know of someone um, I had mentioned with you, noting you're out of Wisconsin. One of our uh, programmers from a number of years ago is actually now in um, a public radio station there in Wisconsin. So it definitely has a career in radio, although it's not as an on-air personality. So introductions to the, the particular medium, but not necessarily in the um, – exact area of being an on-air personality. TV, um, there's a wonderful example we talk about, the great Daryl Nathan who got his start here at Public Access TV and is somewhat of a YouTube sensation um, before there was YouTube. Now it has made its way to YouTube. So there's a few of those kinds of examples. You mentioned that you have uh, four-fee services. So what are some of the four-fee services and the cost? Uh, we'll start with the, the um, television station, we actually have a professional level of video services where um, we have um, a higher level of, of skill. You know, we have somebody that's on staff that is pretty much a, a professional in the video field. So we can provide to a nonprofit the opportunity to um, create a project for them that they can use maybe for their fundraiser or they want to get some uh, little pieces of media out there on Facebook to do some promoting for um, a capital campaign, that sort of thing. So we do that for fee. We also do our web development for nonprofits at a fee. So these are all low cost for nonprofits knowing that that's, um, we're not in the for-profit business but we're in the sustainability business. So we do these things for nonprofits at a lower cost. And then even our historic venue, our, our wealthy theater, that service is provided for a fee but then again the level of service received is, and, and the cost of it is again at a much reduced rate than say in the for-profit world. All of these um, services that you're providing and all of these things that you do, this I'm assuming, and probably shouldn't assume, but this was all a part of the strategic plan to go from being public access television to being a full-fledged community media center. Um, what are your plans, and I'm sure you do strategic planning, and uh, what are your plans in your next strategic plan to push even further into um, providing even more services, sustainability planning uh, for Grand Rapids Community Media Center. I think first of our IT services to nonprofits, and it's already evolved in terms of at one point we were an internet service provider. That's no longer a need. Those aren't. That isn't something hard for a citizen to come by. We were at one point a computer lab when those weren't available to everybody, but now libraries have that access. People can access uh, the internet on their phone, etc. So that's we've kind of evolved and evolved to the point where right now we're largely web developers. We create websites for nonprofits. And our next step in looking at the, the needs of the community is to go towards a, um, a more simple, lower-end website for nonprofits that aren't necessarily with the big funds, something larger like a, a United Way has the funds to have a very elaborate website, but a lot of local nonprofits do not. So we're right now developing a model and a method to create very um, entry-level websites for nonprofits. That's one area where we're looking at our sustainability. We're still so, um, working. 
Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to add the Rapidian, our, our uh, citizen content generated uh, news site. That is one where we're really still uh, working hard to find the right funding model for that. We began with a three-year grant. We were funded for the startup from the Knight Foundation, and that definitely helped us um, bring together community stakeholders on what kind of journalism project would this community benefit from. Grand Rapids, probably like lots of areas, has seen the, the dissolving of what has been traditional hard news um, journalism and looking to meet that need where a gap was left. So we definitely feel we have the right tool out there, now finding the funding for it. We've tried a few things like um, a week-long fund drive, such as the radio station does. It doesn't necessarily reach the audience in the same way. We're just looking at new models for securing the future for the Rapidian. So what kinds of, so that everyone understands exactly what types of equipment uh, Grand Rapids Community Media Center provides. So if they want to walk into your community media center and they're looking for um, certain equipment that they want to use or they don't quite know what they need, means a lot of times I'll work with clients and they don't know what they need. Um, so kind of give them an idea of the equipment and services, all kind of a run through of the different types of equipment that's available and different, all of the services that are available through Grand, Rap Grand Rapids Community Media Center. Okay. Well, um, obviously high-end video cameras. We have the editing equipment. We actually have take-home editing equipment. We have a studio fully equipped with green screen, lighting, sound system, or we have the method for somebody to take it mobile to uh, have all the tripods and the mobile lighting kits and uh, portable editing uh, devices to do it off-site too. So that is largely what covers TV. That's equipment as well as the classes on how to run all of that. At the radio station, we do a pretty extensive class on uh, everything from what's permitted through FCC and what's not, what's a community radio station, what's our mission here, how to get on air, um, how to uh, kind of choose music within our format, how to understand uh, what's a segue, what's a good blended music, and then pretty much uh, getting on air. That's a, that's a more extensive training there. Um, as far as equipment, we consider the historic theater somewhat equipment that's available. It's well equipped in terms of um, we can video and broadcast there. We can broadcast on radio. We can broadcast a theater event on television. We can stream it. Um, we have pretty high-end sound, pretty high-end lighting, and uh, just a number of other services that we can provide for somebody that wants to come in and really put on an event at a theater, look, you know, at a, a theater our size. We've got a 400-seat theater and then a micro-cinema with about 60-seat capacity, plus a couple other studio rooms that are available. I want to say that um, I would consider our website for the Rapidian equipment as well because it's the tool where somebody writes and publishes, and it pretty much can be self-done once uh, somebody has learned how to use our system after they're uh, somewhat vetted that they have made it through and understanding um, what makes a news piece, what is um, not slander, not liable, all those sorts of things. And that website is a, a large portion of uh, something we created here internally, but it is the tool to publish. So it sounds like people, um, a community member who wants to contribute content to the Rapidian, they have to go through training first, 
they have to show that they understand what the rules are and they have to show that they've learned a little bit of something about journalism, ethical journalism. Um, it, they have to go through that first. Now, once they um, are allowed to contribute content to the website, does that, I know that when I contribute content to, certain, to some websites, that content sometimes goes up immediately. Um, I, I hit submit, publish, it goes up right away. Um, other places, other websites, I submit content, um, like Forbes, it sits there. And I have to have an editor um, review it, approve it, and then I have to wait for it to get published. How does that work with the Rapidian? Actually, both ways. We try to get something up almost immediately, but it depends on how experienced or how proven somebody is. You know, somebody that's just uh, brand new. We also work with a lot of college students, and they're kind of learning. We're trying to provide that teaching experience. So they'll probably be one-on-one uh, -on -one with our editor and uh, talk them through it a little bit. Here, you know, make it a teaching element too. That here's what's uh, quite not ready with this piece yet, and here's what is. Somebody that's published a number of pieces has already kind of gone through the process a few times, and we feel has proven themselves and pretty reliable. They can publish almost immediately. Okay. All right, so it just depends on the person and, and um, how experienced they are. So sometimes exactly. you, might have a, you might have somebody who submitted a lot of, of content and they can just submit something. Is there, is there a review that goes on even after that person has submitted content? Is there still a review of that content even though they were allowed to just push it on right away, is there still a review afterwards or no? Yeah, there is. So our, our editor, our managing editor does review, does read everything. Um, you know, there's a, the beginning process is actually creating an account. And when you create an account to become a Rapidian reporter, you know, there's some agreements that you agree to. And, you know, there, everything is in your, your real name. You, you own it. You, your identity is you, you're publishing under your own name. So we, we have no hidden identities there where there could be some risks. There's a ethics standards that the new um, reporter agrees to. So that's where you start when you get your online account, when you get your account on the Repidian. You start with some agreements there. Okay. Now, um, so that we can wrap things up, I just want to talk briefly about two of what you would consider key projects or initiatives. Um, you can talk about either projects or initiatives um, of Grand Rapids Community Media Center. Maybe two things that you really want to highlight um, for our listeners. Let's say we are, um, we are deeply committed to reaching out further into the Spanish-speaking community. And um, I would say we are two weeks into really um, taking this off. We're deliberately uh, trying to expand the neighborhoods and the, the sectors of, of Grand Rapids that we reach into. We know there are areas that are unreached. And this is an area where we've not necessarily um, uh, enveloped the Spanish language community in terms of what is our content on the Rapidian, what some of the content that we have on GRTV, the types of events held at Wealthy Theater. So we're really diligently reaching into the Spanish-speaking communities now, and um, it will include a lot of those sorts of things that are in uh, Spanish as well. And um, that is, that's kind of a, a new effort that we're really focusing on hard right now. I would say another thing is something that was a very sincere and um, 
vibrant part of our beginnings is media literacy. And we kind of had evolved to the point where we just uh, considered media literacy embedded in every little program area, but not necessarily an effort on its own. We're going to go, we're going to revisit that and we're going to make media literacy at the forefront because uh, it's so critical now and there's been this devolution of um, critical thinking when it comes to consuming media. And we just think that needs to come back to the forefront and we're going to see that as um, a priority in this next year to kind of bring that kind of programming back to Community Media Center. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. And um, for everyone who is listening, can you give them an idea of where to find Grand Rapids Community Media Center on the web? Absolutely. It's grcmc.org for Grand Rapids Community Media Center. Uh, there you'll find WYCE Radio. The Rapidian has its own site. It's therapidian.org. So both of those sites, grcmc.org and therapidian.org. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us on Belwar Radio. You've been listening to Linda Galash, who is the Executive Director of Grand Rapids Community Media Center. And my name is Gina Stevens. Thanks for joining us. You guys have a good evening. Mm-hmm.